awesome. It's so true, isn't it? I mean, we should all be positioning ourselves for discipleship and we should all be, uh, be discipling others as well. So we're being discipled and we're discipling others and we need to be doing both, being discipled and discipling others. And so, yeah, we put the que- I put it to Jacob. I didn't know your challenge. Nice to know that. <laughs> uh, but think about that for yourself. Think about where you're at. Uh, have you positioned yourself? And we're not just talking about a Sunday. It needs to be more than that. That's why the Bible says, do not give up gathering. You know, uh, I remember when I first became a Christian, uh, it was three times midweek that we gathered. And uh, so that was uh, a Tuesday, a Wednesday and a Friday night and then two services on a Sunday. I mean, we're very careful these days to make sure we have growth groups one week Uh, and we've moved it to fortnightly, growth groups one week, and anything we have we put on the other week, you know. So we try as hard as we can not to have, you know, anything more than two times in one week. And then at this stage we only have one service on a Sunday. God willing, one day we'll have more than one service, you know. Um, And so who are you being discipled by and who are you discipling? Well, that's not my message this morning, praise God. We had an amazing prayer meeting on Tuesday night. If you came, thank you. You know, there's something powerful about corporate prayer, coming together and praying together, uh, something powerful, you know, God's presence, unity, uh, God's blessing, um, and also it just paves the way for what God wants to do uh, in our lives individually and also um, where he wants to take our church, you know, praying for the lost, praying for um, what, where he wants us to go, what he wants us to do, um, so corporate prayer. And I encourage you, if you've not come along to our prayer meetings, they're once a month, once a month, Please be there. Come along on the journey. We want every member to be on fire for Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Are your hearts ready? I should pray after that. Jacob, you got me fired up. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word this morning. I pray you prepare every heart right now, Lord God. We thank you for this word, Father. We pray for healing. We pray for freedom. We pray for deliverance. Uh, and we just pray that your word go forth, and we thank you that your word does not return void, Father God. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Now, something that I've had to deal with throughout my whole life is, um, and I expect a lot of us have, is rejection. Now, I felt incredibly, I'm going to be vulnerable with you this morning. You ready? Now, I felt incredibly rejected by my father throughout my teenage years into young adulthood. And it started when my father first left the family home as my parents went through a divorce. And even worse yet, when my father um, moved into another family's home, and it was a family that we actually grew up with and were incredibly close to. And so the rejection seemed almost unbearable. You know, it just, it seemed almost unbearable. And so over the years um, from that situation, over the years, the different relationships, uh, breakups, hurts, different types of abuse, etc., just sort of compounded that initial rejection as, as a young child. It co- sort of compact, compounded that and, uh, and, and this root of rejection took place deep within my soul. And even now, I still deal with uh, rejection 
at different times, not like I used to, but it's still, you know, and, and I think we all, you can't get through life without experiencing rejection. If you have, <laughs> if you have, really? <laughs> you get through life without experiencing rejection. Jacob's dad is a four-year-old. Uh, he, he was taken from his mother and placed in state care. Now, the purpose for that was that he was being... Um, placed up for adoption but what he got told was that his mother was coming back uh, to get him and so he thought he honestly thought his mum and he was just a four-year-old so who, who actually knows but in his mind in his mind his mum was coming back to get him and so uh, he would go every Saturday was uh, visiting hours and he would go to this gate uh, where he remembers the last time where he saw his mum and every Saturday he would go and he would wait at this gate waiting for his mum to come and see him or to come and pick him up and he would do that and he'd wait there until the people would say you can't wait there any longer you have to come inside and he, um, and he would just continue to do that, even to the point where he ended up with an adoption family, an amazing family, but, and they wanted to adopt him, but they refused, uh, he refused uh, to be adopted by, by them because he, he still had hoped that his own mother would come back for him. And, you know, he died of cancer at the age of 61, and he wrote about this in one of his letters uh, on his dying bed, you know, and I expect he dealt with rejection all throughout his life. And again, we all experience rejection in some form or another. And it comes through, you know, whether it's our friends, whether it's um, family, divorce, abuse, relationships, um, unfaithfulness, abandonment, and the list goes on. You know, I believe society is currently the way it is to a, to a large degree, you know, the confusion, the anger, uh, the, the addictions we see, largely as a result of rejection. People are living wounded. They're living in shame. They're living in guilt. They're living not as God intended them to be. Living with uh, such a low self-esteem, far from where God wants them to live due to the rejection or the fear of rejection. So you can have the root of rejection or this fear of rejection. And so the question is, well, how can we be set free from this root of rejection that takes place deep within our souls? How can we live free from the fear of rejection? I want to take us to the story of the prodigal son. It's jam-packed with, um, there's just so much in there. And you see three people experiencing rejection in three different ways. And uh, I've never seen this before. It's awesome. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Uh, and try and read it with me with fresh eyes. If you've been a Christian a long time, read it with fresh eyes. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. 
He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and was filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and it's alive again and is alive again. Not it's alive again. It's a person we're talking about, isn't it? And is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Now, to be rejected means to be thrown away as having no value or being unwanted. And so I want to look at first of all the prodigal son. So we can see, see here that this son, the prodigal son that walked away, brought on a lot of his own issues, really. <laughs> he brought on a lot of his own issues. And sometimes we do that, don't we? We bring, it, we bring on a lot of our own issues. You know, the day he asked his dad for his inheritance, in essence, in that culture, he was saying, I wish you were dead. That's what he was saying to his dad. I wish you were dead. And so then he took the money and used it to sin against God. Basically, he was rejecting God at the very same time. Not only did he reject his own father, but he also rejected God because he walked away from God, didn't he? And so when he was done, he began to feel the weight of his actions. Ever felt the weight of your actions? They get a little bit heavy, don't they? Oh. He began to feel the weight of his actions and he began to experience the consequences of his actions. You know, consequences? Consequences. Grace is great, but you still got consequences, right? And consequences are consequences, aren't they? Because you reap what you sow, don't you? Grace, you got grace, yes, but you still got consequences, yeah? So he's dealing with his consequences with pigs. And he's starving. I hate being starving. Jacob was making a sandwich the other day. This is not in my notes. I just remembered. He just, he loves his food. He's so gourmet. I'm just like, quick, 
eat. I'm hungry. I get the hangries. I'm sorry. I know it's confession time. I'm just like, I'm just watching him and he's like, what was I doing again? This and that and da. And then he walks off and comes back and I'm just looking like, and I know that he's going to make a better sandwich, right? Because I'll, if I make it, I'll be eating mine, but his sandwich will look better. And so while I'm eating mine, I'll look at his better sandwich. So I'm trying to be super patient. But in the end, I'm like, I can't, Jake, I'm just going to make my sandwich and I'm going to eat it. It's taking far too long far too long I don't even know how I got there <laughs> how did I get there anyway hangry experience uh, consequences weight of your actions have no idea how I got there to about sandwiches but anyway the prodigal son hey hungry starving pigs consequences that's right gee I digress quickly then pray for me praise Jesus anyway so he's 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 brought it on himself he's brought it on himself so consequences, which includes the fear of rejection, includes the fear of rejection because he's wondering now, what's he going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yet what he did with that fear was so key. What he did with that fear was so key. We can either run to God and his people or run away from God and his people. I mean, he ran to the father's house, didn't he? He kind of had a bit of an idea of a plan. He didn't get it quite right. He got more than what he bargained for, didn't he, when he got there? You can either run to God's house and his people or run away because the shame and the guilt and the fear of rejection can keep you away. But he ran towards his father's or went towards his father's house. We can either repent or we can keep on sinning. Some people, through the fear of rejection, will stop coming to God's house, stop drawing near to the father. Instead of confessing and finding healing and repenting, the fear of rejection keeps them from finding wholeness and healing. Walls go up. They're too ashamed, too afraid, too ashamed, too afraid, fear of rejection. What will they say? What will they do? What will they think? The judgment. And so they go the other way. But no, he went to his father's house. He had a semi-plan. Hey, I'll just become one of the servants, didn't he? He sort of half had it figured out. But this son chose to repent. He chose to run to the father's house. He chose to run back to the father's house. He didn't have it, as I said, didn't have it all figured out. At our prayer meeting on Tuesday night, I spoke about it just before, someone shared um, a vision that they had in the prayer meeting. And, and the vision was that just as a child uh, walks alongside their parent uh, hand in hand, so do we walk alongside God hand in hand, Right? But sometimes, just as a child, you know when you're walking along with a little kid, uh, if you know, they, they like trip and stumble and, you know, and, and they let go of your hand. And as a parent, you're always kind of holding your hand. I do it with Tiffany all the time and it's like you're holding your hand waiting for them to grab onto it again, aren't you? Just waiting there. It doesn't matter if they've tripped. I mean, you check if they're okay and it's like, okay, come on, let's go. And you're waiting the whole time and sometimes it takes forever for them to grab a hold of your hand again. But your hand's there, right? Your hand is there. 
And it's the same, the vision that was shared, it's the same with God. You may stumble, you may trip, you may fall, but he never takes his hand away. His hand is there. His hand is there waiting for you to reach out and grab a hold of his hand. His hand is there. It was an amazing vision administered to me so powerfully, so, so powerfully. He's not rejecting you when you stumble or fall, if you go up track when you sin, whatever it may be. We must not allow the fear of rejection from our past to come between us and God. We can't, we mustn't, we shouldn't. We must come to him and say, look, I'm sorry, Lord, just as the son did. I'm sorry, I have sinned. I'm sorry. I've, what did he say? I've sinned against you, against heaven and against you. Forgive me. That's all repentance is, is saying sorry, confessing what you did was wrong and turning away from it. But know this, he is not rejecting you. Even if you are struggling to repent, he, and sometimes you do struggle to repent, you put it off because you know the steps that you need to take. <laughs> Just in a little while. I know what I need to do, but I'll do it in two weeks, six months, a year. Just going to enjoy this for a little bit longer. But I do, God, I know what I need to do. You're struggling to repent. He's still holding his hand out. He's still, he's, it's still there. Ask him to help you. Ask him to help you. He's not taken his hand away. Reach out. Isaiah 41, 8 to 10 says this, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant, I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's with you. He's walking with you. You know, when this son came home, the father, again, he wasn't there to judge. He wasn't there to tell off. He wasn't there to punish, but to love him, to embrace him, to celebrate him. Uh, he received forgiveness uh, and acceptance. We'll read again what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 22 to 24. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. God accepts you again no matter what. He does not reject you. Don't fear being rejected by God. You are chosen. You are chosen. You are not rejected by God. You are righteous before him. You know, the Bible says that while we're still sinners, think about that, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. So it was never about works, ever, which means in the future it never starts to be about works, ever. It's always about grace. You are chosen by grace. This robe the father gave this son 
represents God's righteousness. When Jesus died on the cross, he exchanged our sin for his righteousness. We are the righteousness of Christ. You know, there's a story uh, in the book of John um, that dedicates 42 verses to this story um, of a conversation of Jesus um, having a conversation with a Samaritan woman by the well, uh, by a well. It's a story of his radical, Jesus's radical encounter that crossed social, political, religious, cultural and ethnic barriers when Jesus has this conversation with a Samaritan woman, a social outcast, rejected by a town, a woman with a dysfunctional and questionable past. And so she's drawing water from this well in the heat of the day. And the reason why she's there in the heat of the day is because no one else is around so that she won't be judged. That's why she's there at noon in the heat of the day. And so Jesus, a Jewish man, initiates this conversation with this Samaritan woman, which is a massive no-no. Because Jews, first of all, didn't associate with Samaritans. The conflict and the hatred that went back centuries was still very much alive in that time. But not only that, that it wasn't common, it wasn't heard of that, first of all, that Jewish men spoke to women, let alone a Samaritan woman. So he was crossing all boundaries and all barriers at this stage. Yet this seemed to be the reason why Jesus was travelling through Samaria. Because most of the Jews actually went the long way. They went the long way to actually avoid this area. They went the long way so they didn't have to go through Samaria. But he went that way to have this divine appointment with this Samaritan woman. He knew her past. He knew all about her. He knew she had five husbands. Yet he accepted her and offered her living water she was chosen by jesus and called by god to witness to her entire town now let's look at the older son in the prodigal story he too felt rejected and he was struggling with unforgiveness if you think about it he'd been in the father's house the whole time He'd been serving, giving, doing the right thing, yet he felt overlooked, didn't he? Like his father didn't see him. He felt insecure, jealous, like he deserved more than his brother. He said that to his father, I've been here the whole time doing all this stuff for you. Why would you do that for him? You haven't even given me a young goat and yet you pull out the fattened calf, the fattened cow. He, was he been, had he been serving for the wrong reasons? Had he always struggled with insecurity, low self-esteem? I mean, why couldn't he be happy for his brother as if celebrating his brother somehow took away from him? Think about that mindset for a moment. He was struggling with unforgiveness, wasn't he? How long had he been living with this wrong mindset? And the father's response, what was the father's response? The father's response was, well, everything I have is yours. The whole time, everything I have is yours. And the brother didn't understand that. 
He didn't have a revelation of how loved and valued and accepted he was. He hadn't received the Father's love. He hadn't received how accepted he was. He, he didn't have an understanding that everything was already his. Whatever was his dad's was his. He didn't have that revelation. There was nothing more. You know, there's nothing more that Jesus can do really in our lives per se. On the cross he said, it is finished. It is finished. We have access to everything in God. Sometimes it's a matter of stepping into it, accepting it, receiving it, walking in it. The victory is already there. The victory is already there. What this brother needed to do was walk in forgiveness. He needed to forgive, to let go, to accept the love of the Father. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and, and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He needed to understand the Father's love, to walk in forgiveness. You know, due to my rejection issues, I went on a path of destruction, not feeling loved by my Father and that being compounded by other relationships and, and issues into early childhood. But once I arrived at a place of repentance, when I first met God, I had a lot of forgiveness to do. I mean, I wrote out four pages. There's a lot there, a lot, four pages of stuff. And I had to ask many people for forgiveness as well. You know, I'd sinned against God and many others. But I had to come to that place and work through those issues and begin to walk in forgiveness and begin to let go and begin to receive and walk in the love of the Father because that's the answer to the root of rejection, understanding and walking in the love of God. If we look at Hagar, who was a slave of Abraham and Sarah, the story goes that Abraham and Sarah were promised a child except they were waiting for so long and Sarah got impatient like me in the sandwich uh, and I'll just take matters into my own hands. And, uh, and she told Abraham, why don't you go and produce a child with my slave, Hagar? And so Abraham was a good husband and said, okay, let's do that. I mean, he should have probably questioned it. But anyway, he went and did that. And so they produced Ishmael and... Uh, and then Sarah, once Hagar, the slave, was pregnant, Sarah, the wife, began to reject Hagar. But interesting, if you read the scripture properly, Hagar actually rejected Sarah first. And it's true what they say, that hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And so Hagar runs away and she finds herself in the middle of the desert. But you know what? God found her there. God found her there in the middle of the desert. And he came to her and he said, what are you doing here? And Hagar explained what had happened. 
And God said to her, I want you to go back and submit to your mistress. And he said, and I'll increase your descendants by numerous amounts. You know what Hagar said? Hagar said this. I have to read it. Verse 13, Genesis 16, verse 13. She said, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. Because she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. You know, in the mess, God sees you. In the mess, God sees you. And even in the mess, God has chosen you. Even in the mess, God has chosen you. You are chosen, not rejected by God, no matter what. Jesus has done it all. You know, he was rejected so that you could become accepted. He was rejected so that you could walk in acceptance. Thank you, Jesus. We talked about overcoming this root of rejection is to understand and accept God's love. Others may reject you, work colleagues, people in your community, friends, family, spouses, even parents, but not God. And this morning, I want you to think about that hand that God is holding out. And I just want to make sure that you're holding on to it. And if you're not, reach out to it today. Grab a hold of it. Don't let fear, guilt, shame keep you away from holding that hand that is reaching out to you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray. If you just every head bowed, I just want to pray just for anyone right now who would like to make a recommitment to God. We're going to have a time of ministry in a moment. But just for anyone that has never taken that first step towards God, who has never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, or perhaps you have and you've walked far away from Him, and today you'd like to make a recommitment. And you know, it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is in your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so if that is you this morning, if you'd like to become a believer and a follower and make Jesus Lord of your life, that's what you'd be doing. Or perhaps you want to make a recommitment this morning. It's a simple prayer. We're going to pray together now as a church. And if you want to join in with us, then speak it out and believe it with all of your heart. If you're online, you can pray it as well. Pray after me, church, and anyone else. God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. To die on a cross for me. I ask that you forgive my sins. Wash me clean. I choose to make you Lord of my life from today and this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
just with every head still bowed. If you made that decision for the first time today or if you're making a recommitment today, if you just slip your hand up in the air, I'd love to pray with you, get some resources to you. If you're online as well, would love to get some resources to you. Make sure you reach out to us. Just a few more moments. Just if you slip your hand up in the air just so I can see it. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to close in a minute. Pastor's famous last words. You know, I still deal with rejection from time to time in relationships, etc. It's pretty hard to get away with when you're a pastor, to be honest. If you know, you know. But, you know, I'm talking about dealing with a real root of rejection though and many years ago something that I did was I made a conscious decision I was in my room and I made this conscious decision that as I step out of this room today I'm making this decision to allow these walls that are built up around my heart see what happens when you have a root of rejection is you build up walls around your heart and when you have walls around your heart what happens is you're unable to have or operate in healthy relationships. And we all need to operate in healthy relationships. And walls keep you away from healthy relationships. It pushes people out. And But worse than that, you also shut out God. And so I made a decision, and I'll never forget that day. I still remember it clearly. And I made a decision that day that as I step out of the room today, and I prayed a prayer to God, and I said, as I step out of this room today, Lord, I'm bringing down those walls around my heart that I've erected around my heart and I'm choosing to trust you to protect me emotionally. I'm choosing to trust you to protect me emotionally because the one person that we didn't talk about or I didn't talk about, I completely missed it, was the father in the prodigal son. I don't even know how I missed it. But he's the one, he's the one that should have been rejected most of all. But we didn't read about it. We didn't see it. I'd expect he dealt with it privately. And he would have gone to his prayer closet and he would have worked through forgiveness. He would have trusted God to heal his heart. He would have said, God, I forgive my son. He would have said, God, heal my heart. Lord, help me. He would have dealt with it privately before God. And he would have known the unconditional love of his Father in heaven. The only person in that story that experienced real rejection was the father. Yet you don't read about it. You don't read about it. And how was he able to? The only way he was able to embrace his son was because he knew, because he knew the love, the unconditional love of his heavenly father. And so this morning as we stand there, we're going to open up the altar. We're going to open it up. If you need to repent, forgive, receive, accept, whatever you need to do, I want you to come forward and speak to God. Let him minister to you. Let him minister to you, even if it's as a statement of faith, you know, this today, whatever it may be, come and let God minister to you in this space here. We're not even going to get people pray for you this morning unless you specifically want it. It's between you and God. Amen.